ask him that question. I said, what comes to your mind when you think of God? First thing I heard was love. Loving and kind is what I heard. And I knew the girl. Um, she was a good Christian girl from a, a good church. And so I, I took liberty because I knew her. I wouldn't have done this probably if it was somebody I didn't know. I said, that's interesting. I, I heard you say loving and kind. I said, um, what do you think a teenager in the Sudan, and uh, I don't know, you know, I think this would be appropriate, but I mean, who just witnessed his mother and father being hacked to death with machetes because they didn't believe in the God they were supposed to believe in over there. I wonder what his response or her response would be when you say, what's your perspective of God? And it was just sobering. I didn't plan on doing that, but I mean, it just was because loving, kind, well, those are true. We can know this, but why? But what do you think about that? Put yourself in a different situation. Last year, um, I, I had the honor, but I was in fear to do so. I was able to pray over two pastors from northern Nigeria that were here in Plymouth, um, Massachusetts. I was down there. Um, and it, interesting circumstances why we're even in the same place at the same time. But we got to hear their testimony as directors of OAC, the ministry I'm with. And these two pastors shared how the, the, the struggles that they're having and they had, I think, 63 different people in their congregation that have been martyred so far. And they had 200 um, children that they were trying to feed. They're starving, too. They're trying to feed. They're trying to house because they have no parents. And this is true. Two days after, they were only here for two weeks in the States. Two days after they came here, they received word that their church had a suicide bomber blow himself up in their church and lost 15 more. So I wonder about now this congregation, me, as we put some perspective on that. Because this is where it's leading. I want to get our minds thinking a little bit on this, this track. Can you imagine a person who comes into that church in Nigeria looking at the carnage, the suffering, true suffering? These, I mean, you may know the Lord personally, but you hurt with these things, right? So obvious question for the bystander is, what kind of God do you worship here, right? Well, he's a loving God. Loving? Right? No, he is. Well, then, man, he ain't powerful. Because look what, this is love, right? They're just, they're, they're understanding. See, what they're, what they're seeing, right? They don't know the truth about God. They're looking at things and saying, well, he's not all powerful. No, he is. The Bible tells us he's all powerful. And he doesn't know what's going on. No, he says he's infinite in knowledge. He knows what's going on. So what is going on? And these two pastors, I couldn't, they're getting ready to go back to be martyred. That's what the way they look at every day. And then they asked me to pray for them before they left. I'm like, God, I don't even feel like an evangelist right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, I am humble, humble, humble to be in their presence. Because they're living the real day, modern day, martyr type thing. Man. So this is a verse that they would have shared right here. It says, I will proclaim, Deuteronomy 32 and 3 and 4. It says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. His work is perfect for all his ways our justice. And God is a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. The questions we have about God when we look at things going on around us, and we sometimes are not as much questions as accusations when we start to point at God, is because we have a man-centered world. We just do. We as humans, nature, it's natural. If you don't, God has done a big work in your life, you know. So these questions aren't usually asked from the right standpoint. But here's something I want you guys to consider. I wrote it down. Um, 
and I'll try to re-say it a few times. I think this is good. This is really what I want to give you guys. Just as you're getting ready to make that next step, you're getting ready to go out into uncharted waters for you guys. Um, and all of us can, can uh, be encouraged with this, I think. It says, here I wrote down, do you view God's character? Do you view God's character through the lens of your circumstances? All right, so do you view God's character through the lens of your circumstances or your circumstances through the lens of God's character? It kind of rhymes. Hopefully it still makes sense. Do you view God's character, who is God? What came to your mind? Th loving, kind. You're correct, but why? If it's because for me, I thought of this this morning. I'd have never, I have never been admitted to the hospital. Never. Health. I've never missed a meal because I didn't have the means to feed myself, right? Finan Wealth, right? I could say, I could preach a different message, but what happens if, if I'm viewing God's character through the lens of my circumstances, and guys, I have a silver spoon. I have a, I'm in the upper 1% of the world. I just think about it. And if I view God, God is good. He is loving. He's kind. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's a... And then, next week, right, I find myself having want financially. What? I have stage four. What? I felt fine just two months ago. Right? Now who's God? Well, evidently, he fell off the throne. Or what? It can shake you. So this is important. How are you viewing God, his character, through the lens of your circumstances? My circumstances tell me what God is like. Or, better, do you view your circumstances through the lens of God's character? That, that's really the message this morning that I can hope can just kind of linger in the back of your mind. Because quite honestly, we look at the life of Job. I, I, I spoke down at the director's conference on Job, and I thought, because God convicted me. I'm sitting here meditating on the life of Job, and I thought, wait a minute, I do have a silver spoon. You know what I mean by that. You know, I just have a perfect life. I shouldn't be able to complain about anything. And here's Job, a very wealthy guy with a big family, and as far as we know, everything's going well. This is not part of my notes, so this comes out of Tim's time downstairs. But can your faith grow in times of prosperity? We like to say, no, it's by the testing, right? James says that's what, but I think, yes, it can. And I don't say you guys' lives are perfect. You have your own, I don't know what, but even in the good times, Job's faith grew. He knew God because when the trials did come, he was able to stand for I know that my Redeemer, like he, he didn't curse God and die because while his circumstances changed, God didn't. And he was trusting in the God of the promise Man, I got to go through the covenants, all the covenants at one of the public high schools I'm in this year. The promise. God wants us to trust in him. So I'll do this paint here. We'll kind of fly extremely high. But just to give us a picture, because sometimes the pictures will bring back the message as well. So I'm going to put this dude on the board. I'm sure it's not a mystery what this is. Who is this guy here? Anybody? Out loud, come on now. Joseph, you guys got it. So Joseph here. You know the story of Joseph probably. I'll put his name up there for all of those who didn't hear. Joseph, he was born into a big family, right? And it says he was beloved of his father. He was quite honestly the thing we're not supposed to do as parents, his favorite, all right? So he's his dad's favorite. He's got these brothers. Um, his dad makes him a special robe to just show emphasis that he's, God's got his hand on you and I, whatever. But he's special, okay? 
And then Joseph is not only special of his father and all this, but he's getting these dreams from God. So that kind of sets you apart, right? And he's saying, God is telling me these things. He goes and tells his brothers. He says, he's not a politician in my view at all. Joseph is dumb, really. Quite honestly, he, he tattles on his brothers. and stuff. He's not trying to win their affections, I don't think. So anyways, um, he has this dream. Hey, guys, we're out, you know, we're out uh, collecting the straw or whatever, and we were binding our sheaves together. My sheaves stood up, and all of your sheaves came over and bowed down, you know, this kind of thing. He tells them this dream, and the brothers hated him. What are you telling me? You're going to rule over us. You're going to reign over us. And then, you know, the other dream and stuff with the stars and moon. Man, mom and dad even, right, this whole thing. And even then, his dad's like, you might want to rein it in a little bit, you know, because he doesn't want any friends here. So... Anyways, they hated him. So as it goes on, now this is like the silver spoon aspect of his life right here. And quite honestly, he's probably a late teen, uh, teenager here. But one day his dad tells him, Joseph, I want you to go. I'm kind of just flying real high and fast over this stuff. But Joseph, I want you to go. I want you to give me a report on your brothers. So he packs up whatever he needs and takes off. His brothers see him coming from a distance because he's got that coat, the only one in existence. And they devise a plan because they hated him to kill him. They really, this isn't, this is for real. They really hate him. So they devise a plan. Reuben, the oldest, says, no, let's not kill him. I mean, the Bible tells us he didn't have quite as evil of a heart, I guess, towards his brother. He said, let's throw him in a, let's see if I can do this. Let's throw him in a pit. And I guess Reuben was going to come back later and let him out. But Joseph is about to be tested. You guys have had tests in your lives. You have. I, I mean, many many tests in school, but just different tests as well, right? And you've had accomplishments, and we failed some tests, and we succeeded others. There's going to be life tests. There's going to be more. Guys, I want to at least throw it in there because I hope we have time at the end. If you're going to stand for Christ where you're going, you're going to have tests. I guarantee it. I promise you. There's a girl I've been praying for at one of the high schools for a year and a half. Not I. I mean, even the ones that get my email and stuff. We've been praying for Carly for a year and a half. She finally bowed the knee before God. It was a lordship thing. She didn't want to change her life. Well, then don't call out to be saved. <laughs> you know, kind of deal. But she finally did. About a week after she received Christ, I said, when you received Christ, I said, you wake up and look out in your backyard and you had a, you know, a unicorn out there with a rainbow and stuff. And she's like, no, you know. I said, have you sinned since then? She goes, yeah. See, the, what are we believing when we believe in God? What do we believe? I said, you're going to be now. You are actually in the fight real. And you guys, if you stand for Christ, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be tested big time. I think even more. Evil's evil, but our world, and at least our culture, man, it's becoming very difficult. So Joseph's going to be tested here. His brothers throw him in the pit, and while he's yelling for help, and he's in the pit, his brothers, probably the food that he brought them from their dad, are eating. So quite honestly, this is um, a dysfunctional family, right? <laughs> so there's troubles right there. So there they are. Well, they see, and again, we'll go through with some of this, because again, there's things that can be brought out of this story. I mean, there's a lot of things, actually, tons of things. But um, what I want to look at is in this moment here, see, this is what God told him. Now, this is a promise that we don't have necessarily, you know what I mean? But hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you the leader. I'm going to make you like that. So he's got this in his mind. Wouldn't it come into your mind here like, hmm, I'm God? <laughs> I'm down here and they're up there eating. It was supposed to be like 
the other way around. Like, you have to wonder, I would think. It doesn't record a lot of that stuff for us to know what Joseph's mindset was during these kind of things. But man, if, you're, if your focus is on your circumstances and how you understand God, as opposed to knowing God, and then being able to understand your circumstances, these would be things that would really shake your faith, because your faith's in the wrong thing. So, um, while they're sitting there eating, I guess, um, they see a band of Ishmaelites, right, coming, and they're like, wait a minute, we could prosper from this. Either way, he's going to be out of our hair. Why don't we sell our brother to these guys, and they'll take him to Egypt, all right? So now you have Joseph is the one on his knees, pleading with his brother, don't sell me, this is creating your own flesh and blood. And they sell him. So, God, is it all unraveling? Is everything I thought to be true false? And actually, what is this? These questions could come in. They will come in, I guarantee it. Not in this form, probably, but they will. So, as the story goes, Now, you've got to remember what family Joseph is a part of, not just his brothers. But, I mean, he's got Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. He does have the opportunity to know God, right? So I believe he does. And I think that's made somewhat clear near the end of this part of the story. So they take him to Egypt. I wonder if he's viewing you know, God's character through the lens of his circumstances, because now all of a sudden God is not powerful, he's not a fulfiller of his promises, and he's not good, he doesn't care about me, if he does, he hates me. These kinds of things would be going on. Guys, I get this all the time in the open air as I'm preaching. People come up to me all the time. God is evil. Well, why do you say that? And they'll have a reason. God is good, but he must not be powerful. But I know he must be loving because he's a God, and he's a good God, but he just isn't. Why is there evil? All the stuff that goes on. These are questions that if you don't know God, guys, I don't want to miss this. How do we get to know God? How, how do we get to know God so that when these things come, that we can stand? That happens through this right here. Let him talk to you, right? Let him communicate to you. This doesn't happen while it's on the shelf. It just doesn't. Come to church. Don't, don't miss that. I tried to encourage some of the high schoolers that don't have a church because it's just last week for all the high schools, and I'm in four of them. And guys, listen, if we left a plant, a real one, in the schoolroom over the summer and no one watered it, it would be dead in the fall. Like, we don't want to unplug. You, got, you have to connect with a local body. These things that God has given us so that we can have health and strength to weather these kinds of storms. But get to know God. That's the most important thing. Know who he is so that your circumstances don't dictate your thoughts of God's character. So now... He is sold as a slave to Potiphar, captain of the guard. And it says in chapter 39, I think, but of Genesis that the Lord was with him, was with Joseph. You're going to see the faithfulness of God in all these things. The faithfulness of God, it, I don't know if I dare say I won't have time, but to just look at the covenants of God through the Old Testament and the fulfillment of all of that in Jesus Christ. And you look at his faithfulness. Guys, understand that God is the center, and we get to be a part of this thing, and know what that relationship is. You can stand. I'm not talking from a lot of heartache. I've not had a lot. I'm talking from the promises of God. I know this. I know what he's promised, and I know what he's not promised. So if the time comes, guys, I saw a movie last week where they were taking this lady, and they put her in a two-by-two two square by six-foot-deep cell, 
in Mali, Africa, I think it was in the movie, but she was taken captive, and they put a wooden grate over it and some bars and chains. I'm thinking, that's alone. You know, that, what would, and I just had this probably because I'm preparing a little bit for this moment, but what would I do? I mean, for real, we like to think we stand. What would you do? What's your mind going to say? What, what are you going to tell yourself about this relationship with God? Guys, it could happen. It could happen to us here. Okay, so we just don't know what's waiting ahead of us. We know the one who does, and we know the one who's promised to be with us and not forsake us. So God is with Joseph. He, he ends up bringing him to an influential place as a slave in his new home, Potiphar's home, and he now has power. Potiphar gives him everything to control and take care of in his home because he trusts him, except obviously his wife. And you know the story. Now, I would say this, too. Some of you guys may rise to power. You may have influential places in our government or whatever the case would be. With power comes temptations that are different, that they just are. And you'll see that. Look at the politicians and things like that that have power. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tested in different ways. It doesn't matter, though. We're all going to be tested. So this is the thing. When these temptations, when these tests come, how are you going to stand? And what's your perspective of God going to be? You guys know when... Uh, Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's away, and she has evil intent, and I won't get into this too much as far as the realities of how much of a temptation this would have been for any natural human being, right? But you're talking about a slave having an opportunity to do evil, and when she tempts him, and she tries to seduce him, he looks at her and says, how can I do this wickedness? How can I do this great sin against God? So he stands, guys, this is the thing. Sometimes we as Christians, we will do the right thing. We'll actually win a battle. And Joseph's winning a battle here. No, I'm not going to do what I know is evil in the sight of God. And then she forces kind of thing. He runs out and you know the story. But he does what is right. Check this out when he does. Of course, she gets angry, makes up a story. Potiphar comes home. And then Joseph, the one who did no wrong, right? He did what was right in the sight of God. And Potiphar comes home. And Joseph is... wrongly judged. This would be hard enough here with the brothers and the, you know, but to actually do something in the sight of God that's right. You know, what you do in secret, he'll reward openly kind of comes into our thinking, right? And this is what it means to reward openly. That's where we get in trouble. And this is what it means to be blessed of God. And this is what it means to be rewarded. And this is what, because this is not a reward. Well, that's his consequence. I've consequence, I didn't do anything wrong. So man alive, this would be a test in my opinion, because instead of, she what, you what, thank you for being an honorable man, right? Instead of that, he condemns Joseph to prison. And the, the thing is, we read these stories so quickly, right? He was put in a, in a prison. We don't know how long, but Psalms actually tells us that he had a, a bronze collar put on his neck and his ankles hurt from the shackles. This isn't like, this is real prison. So he's, he's abandoned by God, would be the thought. Could easily be the case. If he didn't know who God was, 
So he wasn't looking at his circumstances saying, well, God actually isn't what I thought he was. He knew the truth. So he trusted in God. He continued to place his faith and confidence in God, and God didn't leave him. It says the same thing again. It says, but the Lord was with him. So to fast track a little bit even more, um, you know, the, the cupbearer and, and the baker, they come to prison as well of, of Pharaoh, and they have dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams through the power of God, and you know the story how it goes. And he says, don't forget me, right? Well, you guys know it was two years later, two years from when the, the cupbearer and the baker got out of prison and everything that he said would come true came true until they mentioned Joseph to Pharaoh after Pharaoh's dream. That's a, that's, these aren't short tests. These are long things. God, I don't see your hand in this. I'm a prisoner. I, no one's bowing to me. I'm a slave. No one's bowing to me. This is not even the fulfillment of what I understand you saying is for my life. It could shake your faith. So Pharaoh has his dream. They remember Joseph. Joseph comes out and interprets the dream through the power of God, and he becomes second in power only to Pharaoh for Egypt, which, again, seven years of feast, you know, where we're going to have plenty, and seven years of famine. So now, man, we're into this segment here, and Egypt is feeding the world, and Pharaoh is the chief, but, I mean, we've got the second command, Joseph, most powerful, almost most powerful man in the world. And his brothers end up coming to Egypt, like everyone else in the world, for food. And over the course of some time, Joseph finally reveals to them who he is. Now, again, I don't want you to misunderstand this message in light of the, the topic or the point that I'm getting across. This isn't guaranteed for us, this here, the Joseph rising to power. See, that's why we're faithful. You still, that's the human nature coming in there. You may die in prison. You may die a failure in your business. You may die, a, you know, it, there's no guarantees like that here. So what are, what are our guarantees with this God that we know and this God that we love and this God that we trust? What are those? Because those I don't want to have shaken when my circumstances fall all to pieces. And they may not, but if they do, right? So Joseph, at the end, once he lets his brothers know who he is, they're afraid, of course, because their conscience have been guilty for years, and they know that he now has the power to do whatever he wants. He could have literally just said, kill them, and not even given an explanation, and they would have all died. They would have all been put to death. But instead of that, he shows them forgiveness, right? And he says, and listen, to, this is the perspective right here. This is where I kind of get that. And not that it had to be there the whole time. I'm sure he struggled. He's human with God's plan and God's way and God's will and all these kinds of things. But it, this admission here, he says, don't worry, brothers. Don't worry. He said, because what you did is wrong. And you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. And if you can come to that level of trust, that literally, even if you don't get to write the road map for your own life, and what you thought would be good and honorable and successful, and even honoring to God in your life doesn't happen. If you could say, well, what is happening because I'm submitting to God here. My life is submitted to God. So what happens here, this is the will of God, and I can trust him in it, even during it. Did I spell that right? Trusted God. Joseph trusted God. So 
what, what you intended for evil. People will intend to do evil things against you, harm you, do all this kind of, and it may, you even see, these things are shaping and directing the course of my life. No, God is the one. Don't let these things be it, okay? So when you come into those tests, I hope these things trigger. I just expect God to use these things, because I don't know, maybe five, seven years, it may be who knows what. It may be a failing marriage. It may be, you know, we don't know, oh, what am I trusting in right now? It, hopefully God will bring this back to memory. What I would do right now, and my encouragement to you is, get into and continue. I mean, you're in a, in a wonderful church. You're, I assume, I don't know your families, but I mean, you're here. Continue to get to know God. Continue to get to know God. Don't allow your circumstances to shape your opinion or your view of the character of God. Know who God is, so that when your circumstances may fall all apart, but I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I'm believing in the promises of God. Did Abraham get to see the coming of Christ? Did Noah? Did Moses? I mean, the promises of God are that we will get to dwell. There will be a day when there is no more pain, there is no more suffering, there is no more crying anymore. And that relationship that Adam destroyed in the garden and we naturally have destroyed and continue to destroy and is completely broken, has been reconciled through the person of Jesus Christ and his work. So the promise is, just like, again, you get in these covenants, guys. Adam, believe in the promise. Don't believe in that tree. Kicks him out. You, you look to the promise. I'm sending a deliverer. Believe. Trust in me, Adam. I'm sending a deliverer to crush the power of sin and Satan and the new reality you find yourself living in, separated from God, with only the judgment that you deserve. But I'm going to send a deliverer. Trust me. Noah, trust me, the judgment of God is coming. And this is the means of mercy. Trust me, Noah. Moses, right? You go, Abraham, trust me. I'm going to send you a descendant, but not only a descendant, a great nation. Your name will be great. Guys, Abraham, oh, I, wish, I wish we could get all these things. But the promises of God, let's focus. You can't possibly trust the promises of God if you don't know what they are. So only trust the promises of God. They're the only things that's reliable. There is no promise of health in time, wealth in time, you know, comforts. That's not a promise that God gives us, a finished education in college or something like that. There's no promises like that. They're good things. Sure they are. They might not be the right thing. Who knows what is right? God does. Subject yourself under the mighty hand of God. Just trust in God. Get to know God. Be confident in who he is so that when the circumstances of life throw these curveballs at you, you're not shaken. And guys, that's the peace that passes all understanding that the world has no idea of. None. So when I'm out there and I'm talking to college students, I heard LCC, GVS, I heard Michigan State, you know, I'm talking to these college students. There is no God. Why in that conversation is this guy who's out here talking about God not frustrated that I don't believe in God? Why is he so at peace with his reality of life after death? Why does he subject himself to these certain sets of rules and morality? Why does he seem to be comfortable and confident where he knows where he came from? What's going on with this guy? So while they're big, big and boisterous, you're at peace. You can be at peace if you know God. If you don't, you can't have peace. You can't. You can't. You can have supplements and things that might get you by for a day or a week or a year. So let me see if I can just end with this verse, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Knowing, therefore, that God is God. If we can remember that, we'll be better off. God is God, not we ourselves. But that's not that verse. It says, Know, therefore, that God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him 
and keep his commandments. So love God. I would just give you this. It was a painting I just did the other day, and it's really neat because it says to those who love God and keep his commandments, this is the Mosaic Covenant stuff because we think, man, I can't keep his commandments perfectly. Of course not. And you can't love God unless you trust God, and you can't trust God unless you know God. So it really does start. Get to know God. That is a lifelong journey. Get to know him better and better and better. Don't neglect this when college gets really, really busy or you have to get up at 6 to get to work, 7. Don't neglect this. You can't ever know enough about God. Get to know God more and more every day so that you can trust God implicitly and in that trust will flow love and out of love flows obedience. So I'll end there, Chris, if you want to come up. Thank you guys again. And God bless you guys. I mean, it's, it's a good journey. I hope this wasn't heavy. But the realities of life are waiting out there. They're uncharted waters like that. But God will never change. So have confidence in that. So thank you much.